0: 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn.
1: In Florida, pal, avatar, we. hopefully you can hear me now, it is The Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn. If you're listening in and you can hear us, type it into that message box so we know that we are now live on air we are talking new teachers
0: off we go live from swansea this is the twilight show with nathan gin on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Well, a Borodar Pal, Kroisu Abatawi, thanks for staying with us. Not sure what happened, slight technical issue there. Must be the dark nights getting into the Wi Fi somehow because it is dark. I have been complaining all week that so far every day that I've left has been dark leaving school. But hopefully you can hear me loud and clear because tonight we are talking about what it's like to be a new teacher. And I guess for some new teachers, they've not felt this time of year before uh, where it gets towards the winter months. And um, yeah, we we arrive in the car park in the morning and it's dark and we, we go to the car park in the evening and it is also dark and not because we're working any longer, just because of this you know i'm going to call it what it is this miserable time of year uh for me uh, i jokingly said to someone uh, about school and they said oh it must be wonderful all of the excitement for christmas um you know you're, you're taking your foot off the pedal and i I have to say, they did not get a pleasant reply from me about teaching being easy in the run-up to Christmas. Uh, for me, it certainly isn't. But as I say, we've got two guests with us today. We've got Kaylee, who's an MQT from Cumbria, and Scarlett, who's a training teacher from Accrington. Um, let's just see if we can hear them. So, Kaylee, first, can you hear me.
2: Yes, I can hear you.
1: Oh well, Kaylee, you are coming through loud and clear. And so, yes. let's try Scarlett as well. Scarlett, can you hear us? Hello. Hello, Scarlett. You can hear me as well. Now, I'm just going to double check. Uh, Scarlett, do you know how to mute yourself uh, just in between when we're not talking? So do you want to give it a try? Oh, superb. Yep, and I can tell that. And Kaylee, let's see if you can join in the conversation. So Kaylee, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you, Nathan.
1: Well, it looks like all of our technical difficulties have flown away um, and we are all here. So I think if we all kind of introduce ourselves a little bit, so a little bit about where we're from, um, you know, how we've uh, arrived at being new teachers. I, I say we, I'm clearly not a new teacher. I'm the old dog here. Um, I'm taking the role of the curmudgeonly uh, teacher in the corner of the staff room who has their own chair, their own mug and probably uh, looks witheringly at anyone who's new to the profession for being too eager and too young. So I'm taking that role. But Kaylee, if you tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Um, well, I'm an NQT this year, but I've actually come to teaching a little bit late. Um, I'm a career change, so I was actually in hospitality um, prior to the pandemic. And then when um, COVID happened, I was actually laid off from my position at the time. Um, and teaching something that I've, so- I've always thought of doing, but never really had the confidence to make the leap into the training. And that was a perfect opportunity for me to do it. And honestly, it's the best. I feel like it's the best move I've made in my career. And I've I've had what you would probably call a portfolio career that I've not never really settled at any one thing. But I feel like I found my niche with teaching.
1: Well, that's fabulous. So I think we'll get into some of that about what it's like to be a career changer to come into teaching, because obviously, I guess, you know, we'll talk about what our view of teaching from the outside Uh, before we we come into teaching. Now, Scarlett, tell us a little bit about yourself as well.
3: So I was a teaching assistant um, for roughly eight years. And during that time, I teach a lot of PPA cover, um, absences, sickness, that sort of thing. And deep down, I've always wanted to be a teacher, but I just found I never had the right time to do it. For instance, as soon as I graduated from my first degree, um, I moved straight into our home with my husband well now husband Um we then had children we got married so I kept putting it off and off and off and then it wasn't until Covid hit and I thought Do you know I've got nothing to lose now I'm pretty much doing the job I may as well just take the leap and apply and leave my teaching assistant post and go for it and I feel like it's been the best move I've ever done because it's just given me that confidence to just fully do what I've always wanted to do. Um, Obviously I have like a wealth of experience and knowledge about the curriculum and I'm just loving it. I feel I've just needed this break, a bit of me time in a sense because I've always put my family first and everything else has gone before me but now it's my time, it's my career now and I'm willing to give it all what I've got so
1: yeah oh fantastic right so i think what i want to find out first from all of us because we, we, we're all at different stages um scarlet we're going to rewind all the way to before you you even became a, a teaching assistant and um, kaylee all the way back to not not so long ago for you but before you were um in the teaching profession and, and me a long you know I, I don't want to drag it out too much but a long 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 way back before i decided to become a teacher and our view of what teaching is before we got into the profession. So Kayleigh, when you were thinking about uh, that career change, how did you envision teaching being? What was it that you saw that attracted you to it? Um,
2: well, I think for me, I I saw teaching as, I know this is going to sound really cliched, but there's no other way of really describing it, is that it, it always struck me as being a really worthwhile profession and, and and you've, you're actually doing something that makes a difference to somebody's life. You know, even if, even on the worst days, um, you've, there's, there's been some student in at least one of your classes who's benefited from you being there that day. And I just felt that everything I've done up until, the, up until this point has never really had that sense of fulfillment for me. Um, I'm, the, I'm not, I'm not what you would, probably called professionally ambitious in the sense of I don't necessarily have to have the 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 high you know the highest paid job and, and the most responsibility and, and the highest um, status. But I do want to feel like I'm progressing for, for my own self, you know, like ambitious for my for myself to be, you know, to be the best I can be at, at whatever I do. Um, and I just felt like teaching gives me that opportunity and leaves me feeling at the end of the day like I've accomplished something and that I've made a difference, I suppose. And I've never had that before. Um, I think that you go into teaching and you do expect, you know, you hear the, I suppose, for want of a better phrase, horror stories of the the ridiculously long hours and um, the fact that you're, you're, you know, the teaching day ends, but then you have to carry on working because you haven't had time to get everything done. And so I did go into it very much with my eyes open. I've I've got friends who are teachers and, and English teachers, especially, you know, we're, we're one of the subjects that everyone says is, is the worst for things like marking and, and whatnot. Um, so a few of my friends did say to me, are you mad? You know, you do realise what you're getting into. But but yes, I did. and. Obviously, it's not as bad at the moment because I'm in I'm in so I have got space on my timetable to get more things done. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, I knew what I was getting into, even though it was even though the job was new to me, and it's been exactly as I expected it to be. If, if anything, it's actually been better than I expected it to be because I've had excellent support and the training that I've had has been fantastic. So I feel like I've really been set up well for the job.
1: Oh, fabulous and, and uh, as I say you know it sounds like as you say you've entered it with your eyes open you you've you've heard from other teachers I' will just say we've had a text in from debbie Dussel from the Netherlands um debbie if you texting us in let' us know how long you've been teaching what you thought about teaching before you joined you know is is the perception of teachers in the Netherlands different possibly to the perception of teachers are they held in high regard I would say sometimes in this country they are um how do I put this? There is fun, there is light made of the fact that we get perceived longer holidays. There is sometimes a perception that we finish early, you know, three o'clock finishes, I hear that from friends. Um, Debbie's said 20 years teaching. Wow, you know, if it's changed a lot in that time, I would love to know as well. Um, Harry has texted in saying in Spain, state school teaching is literally the dream. Um, Harry, is that for for... for anyone in the the country. They're aspiring to be teachers. And let's hear a little from Scarlett then. Um, A bit of a different route in. So Scarlett, take us back to before you'd ever worked in a school. And then actually, what was it like being a teaching assistant? And then you saw the teachers doing teaching and you wanted to make that leap up. What was it that attracted you?
3: Okay. So basically, going back about eight years, um, I thought teaching was pretty much teaching the children having really fun days and like you say a shorter day um being really creative creating lots of resources and displays and since becoming a teaching assistant and working very closely alongside teachers and obviously covering the ppa and planning with them and part-time teaching in a sense with them it's opened my eyes to things like data um pupil uh, progress meetings, all the little itty-bitty bits and lots and lots of paperwork that needs to be completed. It opened up my eyes about IEPs, educa- educational health plans that I had no idea about at the initial start eight years ago. And during my time being a teaching assistant, I've seen lots of changes within the curriculum with assessments, um. Everything it's it's crazy just how much it has changed, and also within that time, um, talking a little bit about SEND and how much that has progressed as well. Because eight years ago, there wasn't as many children. I, I don't even think IUPs were really spoken of in a sense, as as they are now. Like now, it's it's everyone's more um, aware. Um, there's more things in place. There, there is a tiny bit of funding now for that, but going back, I don't remember hearing of this. Um, so yeah, it's it's opened my eyes quite a lot and I feel like because of that and because of all the experience that I have had, the data, the marking, the report writing, the assessment, the many meetings that you go through, it hasn't phased me because I know that's what's expected. However, years ago, I didn't think that that was a thing, if that makes sense. Um, So I do feel like with all this now and having that wealth of experience compared to some students who are on my course studying, I am able to give them a bit of a heads up and and say, look, at times you will feel like you're under the water and you can't quite breathe because the amount of stuff that does pile on top of you, it, it comes out of nowhere and you think, oh, I'll do it after. But you really need to try and have that work-family-life balance um, because it's not a nine-to-three job whatsoever. And you find that your weekends, as much as you love spending time at the weekend with your family or doing things for yourself, self-care, on a Sunday you will be thinking of the week like ahead and thinking, right, what, what do I need? For instance, I don't switch off. We went to the park with our children and I was on the floor looking for loose parts for the nature resource area um, for maths subitizing everything like that and i thought wow Scarlett, you you're supposed to be having a really fun family day out and now i'm asking all my children to collect conkers for for my classroom <laughs> um, I, I
1: i would have to say you oh, know yeah. if you spoke if you spoke to my family um, they would say very much that i you know i i suffer from a kind of toxic workaholicness that i think is common in teaching uh, and and i can relate to that certainly as an yeah. ex primary school teacher i can relate heavily to that and you know i it certainly felt like there was a lot of work early in my career as i was collecting a lot of that stuff now we have had a couple of texts in um harry is texting again um talking about teaching abroad in spain saying that um it's really hard to get into the job there's state exams if you have into the job you've got a job for life it's almost impossible to get fired the holidays are really long. Um, and the pay's exceptional. Um, uh, Debbie in the Netherlands has texted in saying that in the Netherlands the, the profession's under pressure. There's a shortage of teachers. Some schools have gone down to having just a four day week. So I'm going to ask both of you and Katie first. Um, do you think, or was your perception, or as a as an early career teacher, do you think that it's a secure job? Does teaching seem a secure job, a well paid job, a job for life? Does it still have that? perception to the younger teachers coming in certainly when I started it did
2: I think so yes and I think especially since the pandemic um obviously teachers worked incredibly hard throughout the lockdowns so the first one perhaps was the exception when everyone was just getting to grips with, with how to how to deal with it but once once the other lock, you know even during the, the second and third lockdowns The teachers were busy behind the scenes. I did experience online teaching while I was training and it was so much harder than classroom face-to-face based teaching. So I think if anything, yes, having lost a job because of a completely unprecedented event um, and then gone into teaching as as a a shift in career, I do think, yes, teaching is very much um, you, you can be in a job for life um, if you so chose. There's certainly lots of places to go. You, you know, you can just be a, a teacher for the rest of your life, but there's, but there's also lots of opportunities for progression, whether that's sideways or up um, within schools. And if anything, I think the teaching profession is crying out for more teachers. I have not known, very, I've known very few people who struggle struggled to find jobs. As trainees, because the demand is there, um, especially if you if you're willing to move around the country. If anything, sorry, I'm sorry. If anything, I think the issue is actually encouraging people into the profession and and selling the benefits that that we do have, and 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 indeed making those benefits more attractive.
1: Yeah, um, you know, and I I would say I almost um, in my career I have almost always known. In England, at least, when I was in Wales, not so much. In South Wales, when I originally trained to teach, there, you know, we were in a position where I remember one of my placement schools had over 100 applications for a teacher job, but South Wales was at the time training a lot of teachers. And along the South Wales coast, there were maybe four or five colleges that have um, conglomerated now, have merged to make that less of an issue. But, you know, jokingly, when I was training to be a teacher, we used to joke that South Wales exported more teachers than it did coal now. Um, And that was one of the things. But then I moved to Hampshire in England. And I remember as a supply teacher, the supply firm um, saying that they would pay me for five days a week, whether I worked or not, because they were so desperate to get teachers on their books, that they could almost guarantee me the work. Now, Scarlett, what's your perception of? You know, obviously, you knew a bit about teaching, but um, before from being a teaching assistant, did you see this as a, a stable career, a well-paid career? Obviously, it's you know, teaching assistants are paid terribly. I will say at this point, but you know, so did you see this as a something that was a a, a, a good job for want of a better word, Scarlett? Um,
3: actually. When, when I was a little girl at primary school, a lot of my teachers um, st- started teaching in literally mid-20s and a lot of them now have it retired. Um, and going back to like the 90s, teachers, it was, a, it was a job for life then because there wasn't a lot of pressure on teachers at that time. You know, everything was different then. But now I have seen many young um newly qualified teachers coming into the profession not fully knowing what's expected and leaving within like two years if you look at statistics now it's quite shocking really just how many qualified teachers newly qualified teachers are still in the profession within the next five years it's so low I can't actually remember the actual figure but it's it is shocking and we are crying out for more teachers but the thing is it there's that much pressure it's some people just can't um, like hack it, and I think in my in my in my head, I am so thankful that I have a very understanding family that understand. Like my husband, for instance, he's a high school teacher, so it's it's actually brilliant what we've got at the moment. But he's understanding of what's expected from me in my career, just like I am of his. And we try and give each other that time. But if you have a family or who who aren't quite understanding of what's expected from you and the long hours at school and even at weekends are up late during the week, marking, our planning lessons, are doing resources. It is hard and it does put a strain on not just your mental health, but a family as well, if you do have a family. Um, and the pay scale, well, I don't... <laughs> It's not the best obviously and obviously with Covid I think people actually realised just how much teachers did especially parents and they were very thankful and grateful which was lovely to see um, that it was a recognised job you know and it can be a job for life if you're able to have that perfect balance well not perfect but a good balance for you especially and I'd say the first few years of starting teaching will be difficult because You're only just coming to terms with everything. You're trying to get all your planning ready. You're you're trying to understand the curriculum and any changes that's happened within that time. And I'm hoping that when I find a, once I've qualified and I find a really, really, really good school, because I always think that's a big thing as well, finding a good school that suits you. It's not just about finding a job. It's about finding a job that you're going to love and love the people that you work with. It's no good just finding a job for the sake of it, but working with some people that you don't quite gel with and you're unhappy. Because if you're unhappy, you're not going to do the job right. You know, you, you're not going to do a good, a good job or anything. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm we- a bit, I'm a bit like realistic in a sense of, you know, it could be a job for life, but you've got to, you know, understand the issues that teachers do face
1: now and stuff yeah and I think you really hit on something for me there around it being um the the, the teaching looks like a brilliant job if you believe sort of one side of a, a, a myth of teaching you know where we are finishing at free we are um having long holidays and we are paid on a a reasonable pay scale possibly not comparable to graduates in other professions you know there is questions around whether it's comparable in in those levels but you know in that sense but if you compare it the other side sort of the horror end side if you're stuck at a school that is working you to the bone where you don't get any free time with your family where you are constantly stressed and it's damaging your health then we don't get paid anywhere near enough and yeah i guess there is that balance there of it now we have to go to a little uh, ad break uh, to hear from our sponsors but when we get back i'd love to hear from both of our guests about the kind of things the older old teachers like me older teachers like me need to understand about where the newer teachers are coming from and how we can better understand where they're at
0: and the things we can do to help so off we go to the ads need support with your phonics teaching did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Inc. Phonics, Floppy's Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit OxfordPrimary.com forward slash phonics. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Swansea. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio, the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn. Uh, And I am talking to uh, Kaylee an NQT from Cumbria, and Scarlett, a trainee teacher from Accrington. And we are talking about what it's like to be a new teacher in 2021. Um, And just before we were talking, we were talking about... um, our perceptions of teaching before we really sort of entered onto this path um and now what i would like to ask um if both of you are are happy to humor me on this i've typed into google autocomplete uh, what a new teacher and i'm going to ask each of you these questions about how we can support new teachers letting uh google autocomplete uh, other search engines are available um but uh, i i if um, these questions. So, uh, Kaylee, are you still with us? Ooh.
2: Yeah. Sorry, I had to open my phone again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's fine. And Scarlett, can you still hear us? Uh, yes. Okay. So we'll go uh, same same routine. We'll go Kaylee first, then Scarlett. First question that I typed in when I said "What a new teacher." The question was, uh, "What to say." to welcome a new teacher so as an older teacher I'm that curmudgeon in the corner with my own chair my own cup in the staff room what what what, what makes you feel welcome at a school as a new teacher maybe on a teaching practice or maybe just new to the school Kaylee? What, what welcomes you
2: I think I've I've been fortunate I think I can speak from experience here what what I have been fortunate to experience is being welcomed by the existing department. Um, obviously, as a, as a new teacher, especially of a core subject, I think you go in and there's a certain amount of insecurity because you're speaking to people who have been doing this a lot longer than you. They know a lot more than you do, and you've you know you're expected to do the same job as them with without the same amount of you know ammunition if if in your in your pack if you like. So I think just the fact that they made me feel so welcome, they made me feel like I was there to be a teacher, I was a peer, I wasn't just the new one or the the trainee. Um, and, And I personally really liked the fact that they just let me, they threw me in at the deep end and then helped me to swim. So, you know, rather than holding me back and making sure that I was absolutely ready, they just said to me, you know, have a go. And Try it, and if it doesn't work, you can always do something different. That's how we learn. That's how you know. They, they, you know they would share their own experiences with me, and I suppose make me feel like they still had the same issues as experienced as they were that I was also having as a trainee. As in, sometimes you get a difficult class, and um, what you've been teaching, you know, about uh, you, you might have a particular lesson plan that you've taught for years and it's worked really well, and then suddenly this this one particular class. They don't like it. So they've got to adapt. And I think that's what helped me the most is just being made to feel like I was one of the team and just that, you know, being able to talk to them and not feeling like I was pestering them or that, that they had no time for me. That was what made the difference for me when I've gone into the new schools for the first time.
1: That talk—that sounds like a lovely experience. It sounds like you had a, a, a wonderful time. Um, and and Scarlett, how how would you like to be welcomed to a new school as a new teacher? Um, how would you like that to go? How would it best go?
3: Well, speaking again from experience, um, it's kind of quite funny, really, because I've been that person that has welcomed students in, um, and and I've had that. uh, exactly the same experience from the school that I'm currently at and basically I feel really welcomed when again like Hayley said they respect you not as a student but as a teacher as part of the team and they kind of say in a sense you're in charge here you go and it has been nice to feel within the school community, the school family, if you will, um, and sitting eating lunch with them, talking casually in the staff room as well as talking professionally in the classroom. I always like that because it is a nice balance and to get to know people too. And some some people have a few like, hidden talents up the sleeve, so it's always good to find out people's strengths and things like that just by talking casually. Um, I also feel really welcome when they tell you little bits of information such as about specific children, what their interests are, what their needs are. I always think that also helps because it gives you a bit of a heads up. You know, instead of expecting you to know everything, they're actually taking time out to spend with you to let you know, um, which I've had that and it has been It's been lovely um so yeah just people just taking the time to get to know you um and to respect you as well because as teachers we're not all the same we all have different perceptions that like I could write a lesson plan and interpret it in one way yet a teacher another teacher could think oh well I'd have done it this way so it's always nice to be able to talk to people without worrying of what they might think because sometimes other people's opinions do matter and you kind of bounce off others as well and that's how you can develop and progress as a teacher so yeah so far I've they, where i am now i am actually at bradley Nursery school in nelson so i'm in a different town to where i actually live um but it's been nice to experience that so yeah
1: Fabulous. Well, that kind of leads us on, and both of you have talked about being welcomed as a as a colleague, as a as an equal, as a part of the team. And um, Debbie um, from the Netherlands has, has texted in saying that they don't have um, an early careers framework there. I think that's what she means by the ECF. Um, it's all casual. So one in five. Uh, leave education within five years, which sounds similar to some of the crisis we've had in this country. So that next takes us on to the next question, which is: we've accepted you as a colleague, but what does a new teacher need? Uh, so, Kaylee, wh- what do you need as a new teacher? What do I need to understand your needs are?
2: Um, I think. It- yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, I think it's a very difficult question to answer because I think it depends a lot on the school. Um, I think, for instance, I did training, part of my training, I, I worked in an academy and they were very, um, they had all the resources ready to go. Everything was neat and ordered and, you know, they had a framework for what they wanted you to follow. As a trainee, that was really helpful because it gave you a starting point. But now I'm working in a local authority school and everyone, the, the department are very helpful in that they share their resources, but it, it's very difficult to use somebody else's work, if that makes sense. So I suppose there's, there is an element of... Um, perhaps there needs to be some kind of support. It, it's, it's good to have some kind of support system in place where you've at least got a starting point, whether that's just a medium term plan or some data about your classes. And I found, you know, this, this is no disrespect or, or no criticism of the school I went into, because I think it's just part of the of the profession. People are just so incredibly busy. They haven't necessarily got the time to do this, um, but it's, it's things like, you know, uh, Knowing where to go to get the data for your classes, knowing where to go um, to get resources for, for lessons, just to, just to start you off and get you going. I appreciate I've been very lucky in that they've been there because I know not all schools even share resources. So some NQTs that I follow on Twitter are saying things like they've had to start from scratch, which which is I can imagine that's incredibly difficult. Um, so I th- I think we it It's just having almost having somebody there, whether that's one person or or the department, who is just there to answer as many questions as you have as well you know where do I find this how do I do this what do I do about that I'm having a problem with this please can you help sometimes it's just you know having having a shoulder to cry on or a hand to hold when you feel like you need it so I think as as a new teacher I've been fortunate that I've had that um and I can't imagine what it would have been like starting off if I hadn't so that's a that's a big thumbs up from me
1: I can tell you um, categorically in my experience, I was in the kind of school for my NQT year, as it was then, I know we're ECTs now, um, but my NQT year was a school that very much thought what I needed was a trial by fire, for want of a better word, where they had schemes of work, but they felt that I needed to prove in some way that I could plan whole schemes of work myself. And so I wasn't allowed to use any of the school's resources or planning or um, the the things that existed. I had to start everything from scratch as a... uh, this kind of idea that we had to prove ourselves rather than be supported now I would hope that the new ECT framework and we do have um, Lucien Griffiths hopefully joining us later who's a mentor for early career teachers who'll be able to talk us through that a little bit more just after seven but Scarlett what do you think a school should understand about the needs of a new teacher as they arrive what would you want people to kind of see your understand about your needs as a new teacher rather than an experienced teacher
3: well Nathan the first thing that came to my head was coffee plenty of coffee in the staff room that is what all <laughs> newly qualified teachers need is caffeine because you literally do not switch off and I know that for a fact I just know um but I would love in a sense of when I I am settled and I do find myself a job in a school. I love to find a colleague that I do class as a friend to be able to sit down and talk through things. And I do feel like you need some sort of mentor, if you will, when you are there, because there are things like Kayleigh said with data and things like that some newly qualified teachers won't have done and they won't have seen or experienced or anything like that. So it is nice to have a bit of bit of a friend, if you will, to call on, just to spend a few times, maybe share ideas. Um, and you also need to find out what the expectations are within that school um, because depending on the school itself, depends on what they expect from you. For instance, you could plan something, yet yeah, they'd want to see it outside if they support outdoor learning. So it's all about finding their little traits that they do as a school and fully understanding the needs of the school as well. And I think you need all all the information that you can get about all the children and even speaking to the teachers. If, for instance, if you're year one or year two, speaking to the teacher like before when they was in the class, the year before they came to your class just to find out exactly where they're at and things like that. Um, and you need, you need to be organised. So it'd be nice to be in an organized school where they are able to give you things in advance and nothing's dropped on at last minute, although that does happen and you do have to be flexible, but that would be a great thing. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, I really like that. I like this idea. I often talk about when I talk about middle leaders and the role of middle leaders, I see them very much as a insider for the younger teachers, that they should be giving them a, a heads up about what's coming down the pipeline. Don't, you know, get ahead on your marking because parents' evening is coming and you'll have a week without, you know, where you'll be run ragged or they'll be giving them, you know, don't forget we've got this coming up or, oh, yeah, no, um, so-and-so hates that, don't do that or, you know, a good, a good thing for this is, you know, all of that insider information I think our middle leadership colleagues should certainly be passing on in, in, a, in a really supportive way. Um, this is our next question. <laughs> Okay, so this is a little bit more pastoral, maybe family-based, you know, if we're thinking about a partner or a family member, you've got a new teacher in the family, what is a good gift for a new teacher? Kaylee? what's a good gift for a new teacher? What do they need?
2: Oh gosh, um, lots and lots of stationery and notebooks and things like that because I, I'm quite, I'm as sp- well. I'm quite old school in the sense that I like writing things down, and that that helps me to process ideas and whatnot. Um, yeah, any anything with alcohol in or caffeine is always going to be <laughs> good. Um, but but in all seriousness, I think. Um, probably you know things like uh opportunities to get them to relax because if if you're anything like me and and what it sounds like Scarlett's quite similar is that you throw yourself into it with everything you've got and you've got to remember to take time for yourself so i think maybe some um you know uh you know, tri- uh, just just some, some something that you can get away and just just forget about the job for a little while and switch off, because as much as you love it and as much as you care about it, you do. It's so important to take time for yourself and to um, switch off and just relax and forget about it for a little while and recharge. Um, I think there's a, a great saying that you can't pour from an empty cup. And it's so true, is that you 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 can only give so much, and then you've got to you know refill and replenish. So yeah, um, if any if any one of my family's a friends are listening, you know, afternoon tea vouchers or trips away to nice hotels, that would be much appreciated.
1: So we're saying spa days for all new teachers, absolutely. right? Spa days,
2: absolutely. Out. I think I think there should be days on the cal- on the school calendar. Um, you know, making allowances for for that very thing. <laughs>
1: And Scarlett, what, what do you think? What would be uh, an ideal gift? Now, this will be interesting because you said your partner was already a teacher. Uh, so maybe we embarrass him here or you don't have to. When you when you became a teacher, uh, when you got onto the training, did you get a gift? Uh,
3: yes. <laughs> I got many mugs, <laughs> many, many coffee mugs with my name on or some sort of character emoji style figure of me um i got many personalized bags which i do really like because i do use them um from my, my books and my files and a good strong sturdy bag is needed it does it, i even use a little bag so it doesn't have to be a designer bag just any good bag bag for life and it's with me in school um, Sorry, Scarlett. Okay. I'm gonna.
1: I'm just gonna have to stop you there. In 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 response to what gift to get a uh, a new teacher, you you're putting you you're you're, you're going to say a little bag. I think we should aim higher. Aim <laughs> aim, aim high. You've gone for that. Seems quite low for me.
3: Yeah. Well. To be honest, actually, when I left the school that I was at, I got a wonderful hamper. I received the most beautiful hamper ever. And each gift was beautifully wrapped. And on the gift was a label. And it said, um, "Going thinking back to some of the labels, one said, um, this is for when you feel down and need to unwind. And I unwrapped it, and that was bath salts. Another one was, um, this is for when you really want to reward the children, and that was stickers. Um, Another one was for when you feel tired, and I opened it, and it was um, Nescafe Americano, which I've already drank. That's gone. Um, so that was a really good gift. Um, another, um, A few more of my gifts. I can't think of the labels, but there were really sweet taglines that was, all related to the gift, so it was things like self-care, things like candles, bath bombs, bath salts, bubble baths, and then I did get practical things such as stationery, super green marking pens, which I absolutely love. Um, I did have a personalised pencil case as well um, to pop all my little things in there. Uh, many, many notebooks, a diary to make sure that I'm attending all the meetings, which was very helpful and handy. Um, and also a teacher planner as well, which I didn't think I'd fully use, but I am starting to use it now. Um,
1: oh, I, I will say I am fully into teacher planners. And a planners. Trolley. I was, Oh, awesome. trolley, yep. Yeah, I've had one I of those. i got a pink points. trolley. Um, I've, and I'd like
3: to consider myself... Oh, sorry, Nathan. But I am a lot of... I'm very, very girly, and I always wear super bright colours. I wear lots of flowers in my hair. I was known for, like, the flower teacher, if you will. And... A lot of teachers laughed at me when I was leaving in the last week, and I laughed too. But they—they they were saying that I'd be like Elle Woods from Legally Blonde, because I do act a little bit like Elle Woods. And if you can envision envision this blonde-haired girl with like literally a bright pink dress and a pink trolley, that is Elle Woods, and it's also me. And it's just—it's funny and iconic, but that's me. So a lot of the gifts were pink and girl.
1: Fair enough. and uh, As I say, I, I, um, I'm I fully into teacher planners now. I used to do everything digitally and I have now found, and I would advise this to people, the, the wonderful thing about a teacher planner, an actual paper binder planner, is that you can leave it at work. And when I used to have everything on my phone and the school calendar on my phone, um, I was constantly attached. And now some days I leave my planner at work and I, I can't do any work at home because I can't even look at it. I can't get bored while I'm watching TV and start scrolling through my phone. So I'm a big advocate for a, a teacher planner at the moment for, as far as a well being thing goes. Um, now, we've had a message in there. Um, Debbie has texted in saying that... Uh, her principal gives extra days off for newly qualified teachers. Uh, Now that does sound a a wonderful thing. All we need to do is get them to chip in the money for the spa day and we we will be there. Um, So this is my final part, my final part of questions in this section um, for the two of you and Kaylee, I know you do have to uh, rush off. So after the news, we will be joined by um, mentor for ECTs, uh, Lucian Griffiths, who I've already seen has been answering questions in the texts. but what questions do we need to ask a new teacher um, when we when they arrive at our school? So, Katie, first, what questions do I need to ask you uh, when you arrive?
2: Oh gosh, um, I was. Uh, if, if you'd asked the other way around, like, what questions should you expect from a new teacher? I'd say, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> I, th- I think. I, I suppose it's, it's more just checking that everything's okay because I think as a new teacher, I think you go in and there's, you feel that there's this expectation that you know everything you need to know in order to do your job and that really isn't the case. I mean, as, I, I was very fortunate. I think I've benefited from a really strong um, training course that I went on, but even so, it's just not possible to cover everything um, and you learn so much from doing the job that it, it you know it's, it's incredible how much you realize you didn't know before you actually get a job and start teaching um especially when I've not you know never worked in a school setting before so I think really it's just as as a um an early career teacher having a mentor there who you've got a dedicated person who just checks on you and says you know are you okay have you got everything that you need is there anything I can do to support you, and and just pointing you in the right directions? And they they've got the experience; they know what you're gonna need. So I suppose preempting that and being able to say, right, you've got this coming up. This is how I would do it. Would you like me to show you so you've got an idea? Um, especially things like once once you hit the ground in teaching, you know, I've in my first term I've had reports to write, which I've never I've never done that yet. Um, I've had data in entry to do we've had um, uh, moderating assessments for key stage three and key stage four so that was a huge deal and something I'd never done before so just having that contact with the department and them checking are you are you do you know you know are you happy with what you're doing? can I show you what I do so that you've got a better idea of what you're doing that was massively helpful and just being able to get the experience from those teachers who've, who've been there done it and and know what to do you know that it, it comes more naturally for them that is definitely where I would say that's that's what how you need to treat your new newly qualified teacher as it were
1: <laughs> Fabulous and um, Scarlett, what questions should I be asking you if, if you arrive in my school as the, as the new teacher what would you find helpful from what do I need to find out?
3: Um, I'd probably a similar similar to Kayla. Just if I'm okay, if I feel settled, um, ask if I have any problems or if I'd like to talk, um, and create that bit of bit of like a relationship where you feel comfortable talking to somebody if you do have a problem or if, if you are in need. Um, and I also like it when people offer to help. So if they ask, like, do you need any help? Because I, lo- I know a lot of people will say no, no, I'm fine, but secretly they'll really want that. And they do want people to ask because not many people like asking for the help. But if someone offered, I think that makes it easier on them because sometimes asking for help, you think it's like a sign of weakness when it's not because if anything, you're just bettering yourself. Um, so yeah, I think things like, I'm just asking questions just to get to know um, the newly qualified teacher as well, like just to get to know me. You know, it's as as much as you're there, you're probably at school more time than what you are at home, essentially, because at home you get home after you've been at school, you have a few hours in the evening and then you go to sleep and then you're back up again first thing to go back to school. So you are at school with the adults and your colleagues more than you are than your family so just being a bit informal at times and just talking about oh so what are you getting up to and asking questions like that as well just getting to know the person and, and things like that really so yeah
1: yeah I think you're a hundred percent right on the um the bit about people not wanting to ask questions and I think that is one of the biggest like cultural shifts that a school can can make to help people's well-being because particularly when you're new to teaching and maybe you haven't seen you know I've been very lucky to have colleagues that I have worked with who have um, been accepting of the reality of things never being finished things never being perfect you know that is just the nature of how we work you've got to get a lesson ready for tomorrow Um, you don't have a year you know, and and, and people being accepting of that and explaining to me that, you know, good enough is good enough. And I think as trainees and new teachers, sometimes we can forget that and want to be perfect and want to impress, particularly if we have um, guidance and frameworks and targets to meet. Um, We we cannot want to fail, you know, and that would be my worry about the extension of the ECT um, framework is, is it a longer probation rather than a, a longer support? um and yeah so being unafraid to ask is is a really important thing i would say as well scarlett um right so um it is just about time for us to go to the news now kaylee um you have to shoot off yeah if that's okay it's
2: it's been no. great thank you very much for having me
1: thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure to hear how it's going and good luck with the rest of your training Thank you very much. And I'm sure it is a long and successful future as a teacher for you uh, in the pipeline. Um, So thank you so much. Now, Scarlett, are you sticking around for the next section?
3: I can do, yes.
1: Oh, well, that would be lovely because next up, um, after the news, we're going to be talking to uh, Lucy Griffiths, who's a mentor for ECTs. So we'll be have both ends of the spectrum uh, kind of discussing out about what training teachers is like and what it's like for the trainees as well. So um, thank you, Kayleigh. Uh, we will, I'm sure we will hear from you again um, and uh, stay in touch and let us know how that training's going. Off we go to the news and we will see you all on the other side.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
4: This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. A number of studies have been carried out to find out the best ways to mitigate for pandemic-induced learning losses. Some which have been carried out in the US, Canada and Chile highlight the benefits of extending the school day. In 2020, school pupils in England lost an average of 40 days of school on site as a result of COVID. Despite schools providing online learning, there were still learning losses. The UK government has discussed the possibility of extending the school day with reports suggesting that the existing cap on the number of hours state school teachers can be asked to work could be lifted. Studies conducted in Latin America and the Caribbean have raised the psychological cost to teachers as a possible consequence. While there may be benefits, pupils would not benefit from being taught by teachers who are stressed and burned out. Teachers' needs and perspectives need to be taken into account for any educational recovery plan to be effective. In Northern Ireland, Education Minister Michelle McElveen has launched a £5 million scheme to support therapeutic and counselling services in primary schools this new initiative the healthy happy minds pilot service will run until march 2022 she said the healthy happy minds pilot is one of a range of measures supporting the implementation of the children and young people's emotional health and well-being in the education framework providing support to primary school pupils with an aim to prevent and reduce mental health issues when we consider that 50% of mental health problems are established by the age of 14. The importance of promoting emotional health and well-being at the early stage is clear. This has been your daily education news briefing.
0: Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone and
1: welcome to Swansea. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio and The Twilight Show this Wednesday with me, Nathan Ginn. And we are talking about new teachers, trainee teachers, um, people training to be teachers. ECTs, NQTs, uh, however we are naming them, uh, those people at the start of their teaching careers. Um, I've been joined by Kaylee, an NQT from Cumbria, who has had to shoot off. Scarlett, a trainee teacher from Accrington, is still here, and I'm hoping that Lucian in the studio is able to call in now, and uh, we will have. There we go. We should be having another guest join us. Uh, Lucian, are you there? I think so. Uh, Yep, we can hear you loud and clear. Now, welcome. I saw you in the studio there, but your username—I hadn't put the connection together, um, and and, and so I hadn't. No, it's my
5: maiden name. Avis Uh, is
1: my maiden name. Ah, well, there we go. So, um, Lucian, if you wouldn't mind setting the scene for us um, and and telling us a bit about who you are, Uh, your teaching career so far, in a short bit, but what you do now
5: um so i teach english and german at a free school in suffolk um this is my first year as a mentor as well so i don't know that apart from my own experience as an nqt i don't know the 100 percent difference on the mentor side between what it used to be and what it is now um because i teach english and german it's quite interesting my ect is a french teacher
1: oh okay so, yeah um, so so that is interesting. So let's um, set the scene. I know we've got a few international listeners uh, listening in. We might have people who are new to teaching, haven't looked that far ahead to what what happens next as well once they, they complete. But what is your understanding of, you know, I was an NQT when I first uh, mm-hmm. trained. I did a PGC for a year. Um, And then I had to do a year as an NQT, um, which involved, you know, signing off a lot of paperwork, probably similar to yourself, some observations, meeting some standards. I collected a file. um, And at the end, when it got signed off, I was like a a fully rubber stamped teacher. What's your understanding of sort of the ECT part?
5: Oh, with the ECF, it seems um, a lot less paperwork. Than I remember my mentor using, and it seems a lot more supportive in the terms of it's more about guiding them and less about grading each lesson or anything like that. Um, I pop in 15 minutes, sometimes longer, depending on how the class are doing. I talk bef- and I talk beforehand, and I say, I'm going to come in, and I'm explicitly looking for how you direct the attention of the students. And I'll watch for a little bit and then we'll debrief afterwards. And it's more about giving advice. I fill in a little bit of feedback, but there's no sort of, what I sometimes got as an NQT was, oh, this lesson would be a good or it would be a requires improvement or whatever. So it's a lot more about sort of giving the skills in really small steps rather than okay in this lesson you have to do this 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 and this really well essentially
1: and we've had a text in from Libby uh, in the studio saying it's definitely supposed to be more supportive there's yeah. two parts the normal teacher standards etc which would be I guess what I understood as my NQT year yeah. um and uh, is one part and then this new part which is all theory so I'm going to throw across to Scarlett now Scarlett you're um training to be a teacher at the moment um what are you happy to say what route you're taking into teaching or where you are in that route
3: um i'm currently studying at edgehill university um it is a pgc with qts so it's not a school direct link or anything like that um I-, I
1: love Edge Hill, by the way. I've had Edge Hill oh. students into my previous oh, schools. You know, brilliant institution <laughs> for training teachers. I think personally that other institutions are available. So, yeah, uh, definitely Edge Hill. I'm aware of it.
3: Um, it was it was always a university in the back of my mind when I was 18 years old, actually looking at universities and fit, like, and thinking about my career as well within the future. I even um, had a look around Edge Hill and I even sat in one of the seminars, one of the teaching seminars when I was about 17. And I knew there from, it is one of the UK's leading teaching university and I'd, I'd always seen myself there and I always thought I'm, I want to get there. So whatever I can do on that interview to smash it and to show my true potential I will because it's always always been one of the universities I've always wanted wanted to go to. Um yeah. And
1: so, um, ignoring—I know this is, might be hard for you—but ignoring your experience as a, a, a teaching assistant beforehand as part of your course, have they spoken much to you about this, these changes this year to what an East the early careers framework and what the difference between an ECT and an NQT?
3: Yeah, we're not actually allowed to an NQT anymore because it doesn't exist. <laughs> um, but from what I've been taught and from what. I understand of it. it. It does sound a lot more supportive instead of cramming everything in into just 12 months because really 12, 12 months in a school, you're not there for a full 12 months really of the school year because of the holidays and things like that. So I do think doing it over two years is giving you time to develop um, as a teacher, offering you more support um, and watching you grow at the same time because I, I think after the first year, you kind of settle down a little bit. You, you've found your feet, you've understood the school, how that runs, you know what's expected. And so the second year is actually your, your first proper year, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I am I am glad that is, it is a two-year thing. At first, though, I was a bit like, oh, why are we stretching it out? I'd rather just get it over and done with. But then for my own mental well-being i think it is better and the support that you do get it is better doing it over two years really there's there's no rush there's no time limit and if anything time is a lot in the teacher world time means everything so the more time you get with people
1: right so i'm going to go back to lucy now i've heard supportive from libby in the text um scarlet says edgehill have been telling her that it's a supportive process you've said supportive to me my worry is who's supporting you as the mentor? Because if there's all this new stuff in, so can you tell me a little bit about what what support's been put in place to support you support new teachers, if that makes sense?
5: Um, well, there is the hour that we have designated and I've put it on and it's protected so I can't be taken for cover. So I know I've got that hour and actually, a lot of the discussion we have doesn't take up the whole hour in terms of the focus. And then I can do other things. So we've looked at seating plans and things like that. Um, I've got actually Libby is my, um, oh, what they call it, the, the induction tutor, that sort of role. Yeah. So I go to Libby a lot for support and she makes sure that I'm supported in terms of a oh, coordinator. Thank you, Libby. Um, <sighs> in terms of supporting my, um, my mentee and it's just people checking in. Um, Yeah. That's the main support, I suppose.
1: Now my worry, you know, all of these things of support and maybe I was, um, you know, maybe I just had a bad experience, but I personally for myself did not feel my NQT year. You know, I've described it as a trial by fire that my NQT year was a, supportive process, I felt very much it was set up as a year-long probation test, you know, where I was constantly scrutinized and observed. And, you know, as um, as you described, I was being graded on lessons, individual lessons, you know, mm. hour-long observations where they would come in and say, that lesson was good, that one was unsatisfactory, that one was, uh, you know, whatever. So it, re- it really was uh, a hard and intense kind of process um so is it is it not like that now
5: I don't think so like even when I started teaching so just a bit of context I'm in my fourth year of teaching Mm -hmm. I think it it feels a lot longer sometimes and sometimes it feels a lot shorter um (laughs) And I remember feeling very much like, okay, I've got all these hoops to go through, all this paperwork I have to fill in. Um, so still having to write out lesson plans for whoever is observing me, whether it was my, I think it was induction tutor when I was there. We, so we had one for the all the, tra- all the NQTs and then my own subject mentor. Um, but now, you know, I don't have to see a lesson plan from my mentee. Necessarily, like we discuss it beforehand and we discuss in particular the main bit I'm focusing on, but I don't have to see something written. She doesn't have to spend hours writing out a lesson plan on those horrible grids where you have to fill in like every question that you would ask and all this sort of stuff to show. So it is definitely, in my opinion, a lot better. I remember being (laughs) thrown in a lot, it felt in the first one and always scrutinised.
1: Yeah, and I wonder, but I wonder if that is part, because do you as a teacher, are you expected to do any of those things we hear where we, you know, I, I know certainly at times in my career at certain schools, I've had to email all my planning to the, you know, senior leaders on a Monday morning for the for the week, um, but that that doesn't seem to happen anymore. So is it part of teaching as a whole that has changed or is it part of our expectations for... New teachers that's changed, do you think?
5: I think there's a mixture of both. I've noticed, even in our own, even in my own school, we're now trying to go to having centralized resources. We're part of a sort of, it's not necessarily a multiple academy trust, but it's a similar kind of concept. And across the trust, we all have the same curriculum per se. And it's trying to get that a bit easier. So you, we've got, we are. There are steps being moved as for teachers as a whole in terms of well being and being supportive, so I think that is why it's changing as well as obviously the heightened demand for teachers nowadays
1: um certainly now um Scarla, if we if we come back to you so you've heard us may myself mainly being the the older uh, a teacher in the conversation talking about the olden days of how it was um, when when I started teaching. Um, how do you find it for yourself now with those things that are expected? Are you in a school that expects a lot of planning done beforehand? Do you feel there is high scrutiny in that sense?
3: Um, The school that I'm in now, they're actually very lenient and they're very kind. I do have a dedicated day where I do get PPA um, and it is a full day, believe it or not, which they don't necessarily have to give me a full day to do PPA. It doesn't take me a full day, but I try to use my time wisely. So I will go into different classes to observe other teachers um, and the methods that they do and And kind of compare all the teachers and what works well with certain children, what doesn't quite work, in my opinion. Obviously, I won't say that to them. Um, And just looking around, really, at how they create that environment and what they do to settle the children Um, and things like that. Because I am studying early years, um, so the children are quite young. Um, So, yes, I do find now given the fact that a lot of newly qualified teachers have been dropping out within the first few years of qualifying, I think there's had to be a be a change. And I think that is why there is now a two-year period, if you will. Instead of it being a preparation period, like you've said, um, it is more of developing you and helping you rather than scrutinising like it was before, because I think that was putting a lot of teachers off actually teaching um, in the, like, for, for a few more years, and I think having that difficult first year doesn't build them up to be successful in a sense because they've already been beaten down many times, having to fulfil all the paperwork, do this, do that, jump through hoops. It doesn't set them up, if that makes sense. So I think that's part of the reason why they've changed it now. So... And I am grateful because I think mental health now is such a big thing and more people are aware of it and more people are trying to support it. I mean, sometimes it can just be a tick box, or so some workplaces might think, right, well we'll say this because then we've said it. But some some schools have actually put into it into perspective if you were like at my last school we had a well being wheel and each member of staff, if your name got drawn out the hat, we'd try to make sure it was a different member and not the same person winning all the time. And you'd spin the wheel, and it could be things like doing PPA at home, so you'd finish at dinner, be able to go home to do the rest of your planning. Um, Another little prize is just to help you. It could could just be your favourite chocolate bar, or a member of uh, SLT will buy you breakfast that morning, Um, and things like that, and just having more support in place. And I think that... That's happening now because it's needed to
1: okay i'm a i'm a hundred percent here for s l t buying me breakfast if any of my s l t are listening i am a hundred percent behind that idea um I've got a question for you um Scarlett, and then I'll, I'll I'll throw it back to Lucian. I teach in Wales, and in Wales there is no early career framework because the education is not run by the Department for Education. It is a devolved matter. So Wales will keep NQTs. So my question is a kind of a bit of, would you prefer to be, because we have this balance now, we'll see, are there keeping teachers in England? Is there better education in England? Is Wales going up or down? Um, Because we are just across the border and we are allowed to move between. I can teach in England, I can teach in um, in Wales, and I have moved between because um, that part of the qualification exists, but different education systems. So th- there is the opportunity to do the choice. Ignoring family and boundaries, would you want to do an NQT year in Wales or the ECT year in England? Scarlett, but first of all.
3: That's a really good question to ask because given the type of person I am, I am a get up and go and just do it and get on with it Um, and if I didn't have say a family or a home and I was living with my parents I'd just do it, I'd get it done a bit, I I don't mind, I kind of handle stress a little bit differently to others some people say I enjoy it (laughs) um, because I just handle it and yes there are times where I do get a bit flustered and I feel a bit overwhelmed but I try and cope and I think well this is what has, it, this has to be done and there's no other way around it. Um, but, yeah, it's really a hard question to, to answer, but probably not, even though you've said, obviously, don't think about family and stuff, but it's hard to not answer the question in a realistic way. Um, but I wouldn't be able to because it wouldn't be possible because of no. the circumstances, if that makes sense. But had I not have that, I probably would just do it. Um, I know many friends who have even gone to Scotland to study. Uh, well, they've actually moved to Scotland to actually study um, at university and lived there for a few, for two years and then received free qualifications and then moved back to England. So I do know of a few, few people who've done things like that um, within the system just to try and better themselves as a person and then eventually come back home to the roots. Um,
1: certainly right okay so Lucien same question to you would you prefer to be an NQT or an ECT
5: oh um then I was thinking and I kept going either way I would think I'd like the support and not feeling like I'm always being graded and always being told like what I'm not doing well. I mean, even the feedback for mentors now is very much focused on what was good, one target to improve. But the thought of doing it for two years and still being seen as the new teacher or the early careers, te- um, early career teacher, I think I would find too much. I even due to multiple circumstances I didn't stay at my NQT school which actually looking back I think was a blessing because it meant I could start and as far as the students could tell you know I've been teaching for years you know and to get it that way so I think I think I would go through the NQT year again even though past me is probably going why Um, rather than do (laughs) the early careers
1: teaching to be honest. (laughs) well I, I am like you i am torn and my understanding of the e, the ec frame, the early career framework being an ect was um a, an elongation of training and support mm. the academic elements that were there um and i really like that i really like that there is extra support in there but the thing that worries me a bit like um has said a bit like you've said is there's something about being finally signed off to be a, a real teacher, and I'm doing inverted commas there, to be a, a real teacher, a final, you know, you're finally qualified. Um, because I guess under the new framework, if you did a B.E.D. for three years and then your ECT, you're talking about five years worth of training before you're that really qualified thing. Whereas for me with a PGCE, I did a PGCE, NQT, two years, and I was done, and I was a. a I'm a real teacher now, and uh, you know, and and there's something about that too. So I think it's really interesting how we are all perceiving this now. Libby's texting and saying, "Loads on this at the moment. There's so much. There's too much theory with the ECT framework. Uh, also, what happens if your mentor, or your coordinator isn't great or supportive? Um, that's two years. Yeah, I think you know. I don't know much about moving in between. Uh, in those two years, I certainly, like you, left my NQT year school and then started as a as a teacher. You know, mm-hmm. I'd done my training. Um, so that certainly, I guess, is a question around it. Now, um, we're going to pop to an ad break, our second ad break. And when we come back, what I'd love to hear from both ends of the spectrum, we're going to hear, hopefully, Scarlett, what people need to understand and know about a trainee teacher and how they can best support them. Lucian. what people from your perspective need to understand about trainee teachers and do it. And then the, the 15 years on veteran in the corner, me, about what I think uh, people need to understand about new teachers, if they're gonna survive in teaching as
0: long as I have. So off we go to the adverts. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppy's Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit OxfordPrimary.com forward slash phonics. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. It's Wednesday night, Twilight Show, with me, Nathan Ginn, and we are talking about new teachers, early career teachers, NQTs, trainees, however you want to describe them. Um, We are talking with Scarlett, a trainee teacher from Accrington, and we're talking to Lucienne, who's a mentor for for ECTs. Nearly said the wrong thing again. Um, But um, we have heard um, about what it's like to be a, a new teacher, what it's like training. We've heard about some of the support that is in place for um, new teachers and about the differences that have changed there. Um, but I think what I really want to find out about is what perspectives are as a new teacher and about what support they need. Perspectives are from a mentor about what um, they they think a new teacher needs to know and find out to be successful. And then I'll take on the role as a, a senior leader um, and my perspective of what I need to see from new teachers. So Scarlett we're going to start off with you as the the the, the newest I want to, you know least experienced the, the freshest teacher. What do you feel to wrap up the show a new teacher needs from their school?
3: Um I think they need to know exactly what's expected from them and within the first 2 years are they still allowed to be within the same year the classroom because I'm not sure about you guys but from experience staffing can be moved around and you sometimes you don't know what where you're going to be for the next year um so I think I'd need to know exactly where I'm going to be at least for the first few years whilst doing my early career like training um just so there's no hidden surprises. Whilst on that, um, so do you and, think that's
1: stability to help you sort of master your craft? Kind of thing is that
3: what we're yes, thinking? Yeah, definitely stability. Because I know I I I know from previous experience some some um, like NVQs, if you will, newly qualified teachers, they had done their first year, and then all of a sudden, actually not in this year group anymore. You go into a different one, and it felt like there was doing the MVQ year all over again because it was a completely different year group, different curriculum, different style of everything really, different level of children. So I'd hope to find the stability and the organization of that within the next two, within the two years and hoping that the person who does guide and support me, my mentor, stays the same as well and there's no change within that because that would be another difficulty. If you've gelled with somebody and they know exactly how you work as a teacher and they've given you great feedback to then get somebody else who might perceive that feedback in a different way and say, well, actually, don't do that, do this, it can cause confusion. So to have that same person and that go-to person as well, that's that's what I'd need, I think.
1: So some stability in there. And just to to push on it, you said Mm. you're in early years at the moment, did you? I am. And what is your preferred year group?
3: Oh, do you know, so many many people have asked me this question because I am quite an all-rounder. Like I have literally worked within every year group within a prime school you can think of. Um, and I do feel like my strengths lie within the infants. Um, I have done a lot of years in year two, so I feel like I know the curriculum from the back of my hand. And SATs, they don't phase me, you know, bring them on we'll smash it we'll just we'll do it i will give it our best shot type thing however the creative side of me i love creating little setups um i love i even dress as characters at the weekend so i do a lot of um hot seating of characters with the children so i do love reception as well um and getting down really to the child's level and crawling on the floor and being a dinosaur i being the grappolo. but then i also love um, systematic synthetic phonics, so year one will be great doing the screening tests i 've assessed loads of children over the years within the phonics, so it 's really hard to answer that i think probably oh um, oh i don 't know i, I can't y- i couldn 't year r is
1: the best by the way year r is the best as as a I was a, a, a primary deputy head year r is the yeah. best, and you sound made for it, but what you 're after <laughs> is stability of the year group as well as the the mentor, as you sort of said, to, to help you become comfortable with your craft and your your kind of expectations, yeah?
3: Yeah, that's perfect. You've hit the nail on the head there, really. Um, and I always, the part of the reason why I wanted to become a teacher is when I was at primary school, my favourite teacher was the reception class teacher, and I'll never forget her to this day. Um, she was called Miss Casper, and I did love Casper the Friendly Ghost as that came out. in the 90s when I was born so maybe that was one of the reasons why I realised but I always thought oh I'd love to be like her and even watching Matilda with Miss Honey and think I'd love to be that teacher that the children go to and can connect with so reception probably would be great to start off with just so then I can see the children move up in the year and then perhaps as the year go on they might I might be moved into year two or year one but I am quite flexible and I always think that sometimes the school knows best as well and they see you as oh, you'd be perfect within this year group. Um, so I am quite open minded within that as well. Like, I'm not, I wouldn't be sad if they said, oh, we want you to be a new one because we think I'd be like, yep. Yeah.
1: Fabulous. Now, Lucien, secondary school um, you were talking about um, is slightly different um, because, um, but I guess this, would, a, a comparison would be maybe we'd be saying, we sh- maybe we shouldn't be giving. ECT's exam year groups key stage 4 or am I am I making two, trying to make something fit that doesn't what do you think uh, an ECT needs in their first couple of years
5: i i'm a bit torn so my um mentee has a year 11 because we're quite a small school and a very small department we only have what she is the only full Time member of, well, full time teacher, I suppose, of languages as I'm split between English and German. Um, however, I do think t- um, teachers do need to be given these chances to, uh, you know, these safe chances where they do have the support and they are learning because otherwise they'll get to when they leave and they'll be like, I don't know how to deal with this. And actually, I think Scarlett kind of hit it there where she talked about how sometimes having that bit of flexibility is important that they have that chance to kind of learn to do it. And because they do need these skills when they sort of go on. And it depends on the school, what provisions they have. but I think they need the kind of, not a chance to fail per se, but they do need that sort of sense of challenge with it. Because even though I didn't 100% like my NQT year, I feel like it gave me skills and it gave me the sort of ability. So when I moved to schools, I'm like, okay, it's a fresh start. But now I've got these things. I've dealt with, you know, horrible behavior or I've been, ha- I had three, year 11 classes when I was an NQT granted it was a part-time of it but still having three it was I think if I didn't have that I would have been terrified of having a GCC group when I was literally all by myself because I wasn't the newly qualified teacher anymore
1: yeah, certainly. And I, I can really relate to that as, um, you know, I as I say, I was in primary for, for a significant amount of time and I did meet teachers who had only ever taught in one year group in primary and that can be very isolating. And if you do it for a number of years, you can um, lose your flexibility, I guess, for want of a better word, become established because you are very good at that one thing and, and it's less easy to spread your wings because you're less... Maybe open to new learning. And also, I really relate to this idea that my NQT year was tough and horrible, but it made me stronger. I then did two years on supply, teaching primary, secondary, everything. So I never picked a, a year. In fact, you know, I'm still happy to teach in reception in the morning and year 11 in the afternoon. Um, And that made me flexible and broad, but I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And so I guess I'm looking for and I'm hopeful that the new early career framework allows us to give enough of those opportunities without damaging the profession. Because the way I did it, I don't think was a good way. And I think I have survivor bias of you know i got through it so i think it's okay and i think maybe many teachers in the profession have survivor bias because we're the ones who are left so we assume that what we went through made us good teachers when maybe it's just that we survived um what do you think about that lucy
5: very true i suppose like it's the kind of mentality of, oh, it didn't do me any harm, it won't do them any harm, when actually looking back, maybe if I hadn't had, you know, those three-year 11s plus my own year 10 group all by myself as an NQT, maybe it wouldn't have felt like such a horrible year that I look back on with dread with it. but
1: It's tough, isn't it? And I think, you know, maybe that's what we come to, is there is a new way out in the water at the moment this is the first year that we've had ect mentors Mm. ects we are finding our feet with it and it has been lovely to hear everyone's different thoughts on it Um, now we do have to wrap up it is time for us to go for me to say nostar as we say here in wales i will tell you both my my favorite fact that i'm telling everyone i've met today in wales the word uskal which means school is the same word as ladder which I think is beautiful as a linguistic metaphor. uh, The word for school in Welsh, "uskal," is also the word for ladder. And we are climbing up it and our kids are climbing up it. Um, Scarlett, thank you so much for being on.
3: Thank you for asking. I've absolutely loved my time here and it's been great speaking to other people as well.
1: Listen, best of luck with your training. It sounds like you are miles ahead of where I was at at that stage in my career. And it sounds like you're going to do wonderfully. Um, Enjoy that dressing up in early years. Enjoy those um, small plays. Um, I will advise, get yourself a decent pair of um, shoes, tough wearing knees on whatever clothes you're going to have in early years and stuff you don't mind spilling paint on or flour or pretty much anything in early years, I would say. So good luck with that. (laughs)
3: Thank you very much. Thank
1: you. And Lucien, so much. Thank you for coming on and sharing with us what it's like to be a mentor. Um, and uh, good luck this year. Good luck to your, uh, what do we call them? Your mentee? Your Yeah, that's what I call her. <laughs> your mentee. mentee. And good luck to them as well. And thank you so much for coming on. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And to all our listeners, Nostar, good night from here in Swansea.